0: the party on board the cruise ship was in full swing. The captain, the crew, and many of the people on board were just singing the praises of this very nervous-looking gentleman at the head table. The reason why was the day before, a young lady had fallen overboard, and he immediately plunged into the shark-infested waters, grabbed her, and they were saved. When it came time for this gentleman to speak, he stood up, He looked at everyone around the table and said, I really just have a question. Who pushed me? (laughs) Not much of a hero. Heard about another guy who claimed to take his pocket knife and cut the tail off of a man-eating lion. Well, someone asked him, so why didn't you cut the lion's head off? He said, I couldn't. Someone had already done that. Not much of a hero. You know, I believe many in this room have seen the movie Saving Private Ryan. Would that be pretty true? It is a story of true heroes who fought in one of the most devastating wars in all of human history, World War II. A worldwide carnage in which 55 million human beings lost their lives. The movie opens with an old gentleman walking along a military cemetery in Normandy, France. And he scans the thousands of white crosses until he finds the one he's looking for. And on that cross it says, Captain James H. Miller. And his mind immediately goes back to the invasion of Normandy. Captain Miller was a school teacher before the war. But the army made him a citizen soldier and put him in charge of a group of second marines. And they were one of the first groups to charge up Omaha Beach on D-Day. It was a horrific battle filled with blood and murder and chaos and death. Well, finally, once the beachhead was secured, Private Captain Miller and a few other men were given another hazardous assignment. They were told to go out into the middle of the war and find a young army private named James Francis Ryan. Private Ryan was the youngest son of a widowed Iowa farm woman and the last surviving son she had. Her oldest three sons had already been killed in battle. Well, the army surmised that this sweet lady had laid a costly enough sacrifice on the altar of freedom and the army was determined to save her last surviving son. The problem was Private Ryan was lost in the war. He was a paratrooper, and his jump had been bungled, bungled, and they were scattered all over Normandy. So obviously, it was going to be a very dangerous assignment for Captain Miller and his friends to go find this kid. And because they were going to put their life in such jeopardy so he could go home, at first, they kind of resented it. As a matter of fact, at one point, Captain Miller says, you know what? This Ryan had better be worth it. He better someday cure cancer or invent maybe a longer lasting light bulb. Well, again, they go through many harrowing experiences. Two of the rescuers are killed, but they finally find Private Ryan. He's on a a bridge, just joined up to another unit, and they're in bad shape. And they've got to hold that bridge because the Germans want to get across to attack their fellow soldiers. Well, they're, again, they were upset with Ryan because they had to find him. But when they go to him and tell him, your brothers are dead, your mother wants you home. Of course, he's devastated by that news. But you know what? He does something they didn't expect. He says, I'm sorry about my brothers. I'm, gonna, I'm sad for my mother, but I will not leave this bridge. I'm going to stay here with my troops until re- reinforcements come or this bridge is secured. Well, immediately, as you could guess, that made the, uh, the rescuers endeared towards him because he was doing the same thing they were doing to save him. Troops, family, brotherhood, country first. So they decide they're going to stay there with him until reinforcements come. But before th- th- this can happen, there's a terrible battle on the bridge in which four of the rescuers, including the hero, Captain Miller, perish. Well, finally, reinforcements do come. Private Ryan and the last two guys are saved. But then he walks over to Captain Miller, who's laying on that bridge, mortally wounded. And he gets down, and Captain Miller grabs Private Ryan, and he pulls him close. And with his last breath, he says, Earn this, James. Earn it. And he dies. Well, the camera kind of really pans in on this young Ryan's face. And then it goes back to the old man at that cross at Normandy decades later. And the old man looks at Captain Miller's gravestone. And with tears and anguish in his heart, he says, I have thought about what you men did for me every single day of my life. I've tried to do good. I've tried to be the best I can be. And then he turns to his wife. His wife's standing there, and he begs his wife and says, Tell me I've been a good man. Tell me I've lived a good life. Tell me I've earned the sacrifice that these men gave for me. And friends, I believe that that's really what what the movie wants every American to ask ourselves. Are we living our lives in a way that honors the costly sacrifice that has been laid on the altar of our freedom by countless thousands of men like Captain Miller. You know, historian Stephen Ambrose says this. He says, the soldiers of World War II gave their lives for nothing less than civilization. Hitler understood at the beginning America wanted no part of that war. Right? But he also assumed that if America got into it, his crack German troops would crush these weak Americans. But, at, but you know the answer to that question, don't you? Adolf Hitler completely underestimated these American soldiers, airmen, navymen, and marines. Ambrose says this One of the unique things about war is the way it thrusts the ultimate responsibility onto the very young. In World World War II, the American kids accepted it, endured it, and prevailed. They were sons of democracy. And they saved democracy for us. We owe them a debt that we can never repay. If there's anyone in this room who fought in World War II or any war, please know I know I speak for the entire congregation when I say thank you for the sacrifice that you paid for our freedom. But you know, like Private Ryan was lost in America's war with Germany, all of humanity, as my brother mentioned a moment ago, is lost with human nature's war with sin. We've all struggled, and we've all sh- fallen short of the glory of God. And let me tell you why we've lost. Psalm 92.15 says this, there is no wickedness with God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 said, "In God is light, and there's no darkness in him. And that's why King David said in Psalms 5.4, the wicked cannot dwell with God. Does anybody in here pray? You know why you do it? we blow it every single one of us do so again none of us are perfect God is holy God is righteous and his righteous nature cannot tolerate wickedness or rebellion in any way shape or form God is holy and we are not as Isaiah says in your hands they're stained with blood your fingers with guilt your lips have spoken lies and your tongues mutter wicked things no one calls for justice, no one pleads his case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments, speak lies, they conceive trouble, and give birth to evil. Again, friends, every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Again, we are lost in sin because God is holy and we are not. And again, the two can't dwell together. So I would hope my prayer would be when we realize our dire situation that those people who are lost would ask a question. What do I do about this? Is there any way out of this thing? Is there any way to overcome this issue? And I want to tell you friends today, there's bad news that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but I want to tell you some amazing news. Jesus Christ accepted this dangerous mission to fight sin, to fight death for all time. And what I want to do this morning is I want to spend a little time. I told you about the situation in World War II. It's nothing compared to what Jesus went through. I want to describe a little bit about what he did, the captain of our salvation, to ensure our freedom. Now, again, you've heard this before. You've heard it many times from many preachers. Like my brother said, you've heard it thousands of times. But understand, a minister's responsibility is not to tell you anything new, not to bring you any new epiphanies and you go, I've never heard that before. It's to remind you of what you already know. Because, friends, I'm telling you, if we forget what we know, if we forget the freedom, if we stop thinking about the freedom, we'll lose it because human nature will never do anything to honor and value that, which it forgets about. And I want to tell you this, if we forget about ourselves, Situation, if we forget how lost we are, how are our kids gonna know? They're gonna sit in churches with blank faces, playing on their phones, rather than saying, I want to hear some good news because I'm in trouble just like everybody else. That's bad news, but Jesus Christ accepted this amazing mission. And what he did, friends, was this from the second that Jesus Christ hit the ground running in his ministry, the religious leaders were against him. He threatened everything that they believed. He threatened their place, their security their religion, everything, and they wanted him dead. So finally, on one dark night, again, they're doing it at night because it's wrong, they send this detachment of soldiers to arrest him. But you know the worst part about that situation? Guess who turned him over? Y'all ever have a friend that you really trust, and they just take that knife and stab you in the back and turn it and turn it and pull it and rip you apart? Jesus knows about that because the person who turned him over was one of his best friends his group of 12 Judas Iscariot and he did it with the kiss of death so very early that morning they took him before the Jewish leaders and there was just clandestine mock trial there was no truth involved in it people told lies about him none of their stories matched up it was a circus But you know, in an act of divine dignity, Jesus didn't defend himself. He didn't say, that person's lying, that's wrong, and that didn't happen. He stood there quietly, standing on truth, honoring his father. And then, they asked him a big important question. Are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And he said, I am, because he is. And they sentenced him to death. They took him first to be flogged. Now, again, this is one of those things I'm not going to remind you of. I'm not going to give in detail because you've seen it before. But I want to tell you, flogging wasn't some little whip him in the back a couple of times like we've seen. They would take leather and they would put little, little razors in it, stick it in glass, take it and slap him in the back and then rip it down, cut the flesh apart down to the bone. It was bad. It was ugly. And again, Jesus took that for us. Now, someone in here may see, say, Brian, you're talking about war this morning. You're talking about death. You're talking about all these things. Let's don't talk about that. I came to church to feel happy. I came to church to get a good feeling. Well, friends, I want to tell you, this is going to give you a good feeling. We've got to hear the bad news. We've got to understand our place before God before I can get to the good news, which is not just good news. It is great news. And we're going to get to that in a minute, but we've got to hear the situation and remember the price paid for our spiritual freedom. So Jesus is flogged. His back is ripped apart. And then he's sent to be crucified. The great Roman orator Cicero said this about crucifixion. Crucifixion was the cruelest, most hideous punishment possible. The the condemned men was told to go prepare the cross. And then the person who was condemned had to carry their cross to the place of crucifixion. And you know what the Romans would do just to add one more dig and to show everybody else not to cross them? They would take the longest way possible with that cross to show everybody in town. This is what happens if you cross us. If If you do it, the same thing will happen to you. Well, the execution team finally got to Galgotha. And at 3 o'clock that afternoon, the mission of Jesus, again, as my brother said today, was finished. And he breathed his last. But my friends, I, I am now at the point in this lesson that everything has been leading up to. I just can't wait to tell you this amazing news. As Jesus hung on that cross, ripped to shreds for us, thank the Lord. He did not look down at Christians for all of eternity and say, earn this, Christians. Earn it. You know why he didn't say that? Because we can't. I don't care how many good deeds we do. I don't care if we give away millions of dollars. I don't care if we help a thousand old ladies across the street. No matter what we do, we can never earn the costly blood sacrifice that Jesus paid for our freedom. Paul says, as a matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, what he says is this. If we can earn our salvation, if we can merit our salvation, if we can have any part in that, then Christ died for nothing. (laughs) Oh, that was a farce. His blood doesn't save us. What we do saves us, or we help him get us saved. The Bible says absolutely not. And what I want to do right now, and I want to ask you, if you would, please, to stand. And I want to read with you for me the quintessential passage that explains this point please stand as we read the word of god together it says once you were dead because of your sins and your disobedience and your many sins you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey god all of us used to live that way. Let me ask your friends, how much is included in all? <laughs> Does anybody get out of this? All of us used to live that way, Paul says, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our flesh. By nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy... And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. That's the word of the Lord. Please be seated. You understand, friends, the point of today? We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot earn what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross any more than Private Ryan can earn what Captain Miller and the others did for him. The cost is too high. So what do we do? Do we live in agony every day and say, Lord, I hope I've done enough. I hope I'm going to be saved someday. i got to tell you, there's so many people I see who are people of faith, who have trusted Jesus Christ, been baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. They're trying their best to live by faith. They have the frailties of all humanity. And I'll talk to them about heaven. I'll say, hey, are you excited about heaven? Do you look forward to heaven someday? Do you understand that Jesus has the most amazing gift for you ever? And here's what they'll say. Man, I hope I get in. <laughs> I hope I've done enough. I hope that I, I hope that almost like the Lord I hope the Lord's having a good day that day. And I tell him, You haven't done enough. You can't do enough. What you do is you trust in Jesus, you believe in Jesus, you're baptized into him for the remission of your sins. And then, of course, as we talked about, Ephesians 2.10, the last verse in this passage, you do the good works God prepared for you in advance to do. You don't do them to be saved, you don't do them to earn merit, you do them out of grace and goodness for that unrepayable gift that God gave you. It's a good thing. God's commands are not a burden, they're liberating and freeing and joyous. I'll tell you what, one of the things I see people get most burdened by is we get so focused on ourselves. We're busy getting the next thing, enjoying the next thing, and God doesn't have a problem with us having good things, brothers and sisters. He has a, good, a problem when these good things have us, and our focus is not on things of spirit, because again, we pay the price. Every day I get to hang out with the most amazing group of people over at Rust Street nobody's getting paid no one's over there saying hey i got to check this off and i do this maybe i messed up friday night but this will make up for friday night they know that stupidity theology they do it because they love the father and because god saved them and redeemed them and jesus gave everything for them in response to what he did god you just hint at something and i'll do it and it's free and it's liberating and it's good and so, yeah, they go home to nice houses and enjoy nice cars and go on vacations, but those things don't bring them joy. Their joy is found in their relationship and their passion and their purpose found in Jesus Christ. But, friends, we've got to get this point down. We cannot earn our salvation in any way, shape, or form. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And, again, once we have that, God just hints at something, and we'll do it in response to what you've done for us. You know, I see churches all the time that get caught up in a lot of stuff. But really, friends, it's not important. Why do you think God gives us an amazing building like this? Why does God open those doors so we can get the gospel out? You know, when I see a church str- struggling and got issues and people are kind of down, a guy told me years ago, he said, preach the cross. <laughs> get us back to why we're here. We're here. Number one, we're here because we're saved. Amen? Are you saved? <laughs> hello wall are you saved are you have you trusted in jesus christ are you baptized into jesus christ let me tell you something let me show you another great verse he says if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from how much all right unrighteousness (laughs) all unrighteousness so again if you are in jesus christ if you put your faith in him if you're baptized into him filled with his spirit and living by faith you're saved now again live in response to that in freedom and goodness don't do things to impress god you can't impress him do things to love him and respond in love and that's where true freedom comes that's what god wants us to have so again today i want to stay focused on the gospel i want to speak the gospel message because that's why we're here i got to tell you the bad news i got to tell you that you know what if you've never put your faith in jesus and trusted in jesus and been baptized into jesus hell's your destination we don't talk about that a lot in church anymore do we? we're afraid to say that it's a fact i'm not trying to scare you i'm not trying to push you into anything i love you enough to tell you the truth but the good news is, the bad news isn't the only thing out there. If you will do what God says, and we, like we talked about, faith, repentance, and baptism, and live by faith, you can know that you're saved. That's why this building's here. That's why we're here. Amen, church? <laughs> That's our focus. That's our purpose. That's our reason. And when we stay focused on that, good things are going to happen. So today, I'm telling you, friends, the other day, I, I, come, I just came from Valdosta, Georgia, And I thought about this a lot because they have these school buses that take kids around. And my son rode on those buses for four years playing basketball all over the state of of Georgia. Well, the other day, there was a bus leaving Lowndes High School. It's going down I-75 just to go to Lowndes Middle School. And a tractor trailer hit the back of that bus and killed a 15-year-old girl. She didn't wake up that day and say, well, today's the last day of my life. I better make sure everything's okay. Friends, we never know when tomorrow's going to come. There is an urgency with obeying the gospel. Again, this isn't hellfire or brimstone. This isn't trying to scare you. It's just fact. God wants you to be saved. He wants no one to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But you have to make a decision. I want you to know that today is the day of salvation, and it's a great, amazing thing. Don't think you can merit it or earn it. Don't think now that you're a Christian, i got to start doing all these good things and check in and do this and do that. You don't have to do anything. (laughs) Just love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the rest of it will take care of itself. You're going to want to get into the Word. You're going to want to change. You're going to want to do good works. And you're going to glorify God. So please, if you have never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, don't leave this room without the security of knowing that you've obeyed the gospel You'll live in the gospel, and you can know no matter what happens, you'll be free. Please know that. But, you know, I look around this room, and thankfully, I would say most people in this room have have obeyed God. They've been baptized into Christ. But Satan gets a hold of, of all of us, doesn't he? I guarantee you, there's somebody in this room who's really, really in a mess right now. Sin's got a hold of you. Now, we're good at hiding it. You know, we put the suit on and look good and go to church or whatever. I heard a story one time that we put the mask on. There was a family, and they get up in the morning. They got three kids, and the kids are just chaotic that day. And the kids are running around doing this. And the dad says, I told you to get dressed and get in the car. You better quit it. I'm going to spank you really bad. You get in the car, run over here. The wife's doing this. The husband's doing that. They get in the car. They're going down the road. And the dad says, you stop hitting your sister. I'm going to get you. If you don't do it after church, you're going to get it. And they're just going crazy all day long. And they get to the church. They walk in the parking lot and see the first person and go, hello, brother and sister. How are you? This is my wonderful sweet children. (laughs) I love them. Then we put that face on. Let's get rid of those masks. Let's get rid of that stuff and be real. And again, when we struggle with sin, we pay the price. If you're struggling with sin right now badly, I don't want you to feel better. I don't want you to have any peace in your life. I want you to feel miserable. You know why I want that? So you can be free. <laughs> We're not judging you. Anybody ever hear sin before? <laughs> Again, so we tend to think that there's, there's felonies and misdemeanors when it comes to sin. There are There's no categories. It's all sin, and it all separates. Amen, brothers and sisters? If you're struggling, we're not mad at you. We're not judging you. We want you to be free. And if you, we don't need any details, but if you want to be free as a a member of the body of Christ to confess those sins, we would love to help you and love on you and join you. I used to tell people all the time back in Georgia, you look around this room with this many people, if you're going through something, somebody's already gone through it. But they've redeemed it, they've used it for good, and they're the ones who want to help you. So again, there's three tiers to the invitation today. The first one is, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, please, today is the day of salvation. Make Jesus Lord of your life. And we want that so badly for you. That's why we're here. If you're struggling with sin, don't let Satan grab you anymore. Confess your sins. Get it out in a very private way. Publicly, you can ask for prayers. Find somebody privately and be free. But you know, sometimes life just beats us up. Every one of us just say, I feel burdened. I feel tired. And I just need prayers. And if you are there, you're just tired, and you've got so much on your plate, you don't know what to do, and you say, I'd love for the body of Christ just to pray with me. Again, elders are going to be around the sides. We'll be up here. This is not about judgment. This is not about anything else. It's just about relationship, love, and salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We're saved not because of what we do, but because of what he did, and that's great news. Amen, church? If we can help you any way. Please come forward while we stand and sing.